Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sarah. And we are two physical therapy students on our journey to get that DPT debt free. And our vision for you is to get through PT school on your first try without any debt. Join us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. And we are so excited for this episode today because we have Tavana on the podcast. And thank you so much for being here today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. We are so excited to have you. And for the people who don't know about like who you are and what you do, can you just give a brief background about like, first of all, what got you into like what you're doing now in the first place? Goodness. That plus brief, I've been a physical therapist for 18 years. So (laughs) (laughs) the brief. Okay. So let me see the shortest version, skip hop jump to where I am now is I initially wanted to be a medical doctor, had some issues as a child and was like, this sucks because all you do is wait in the lobby for a very long time, wait in the examination room for an even longer period of time. They look at you briefly, barely touch you, write your prescription, don't see if you take it, don't see if it worked, don't see if there were any side effects, and you know, until next time you need them. And I thought, no, that's not what I want to do. Even though I love people, I love medicine and all of that kind of stuff. So I actually saw a video of a physical therapist at a career fair. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Cause I played sports like most of us, right? I played sports and I thought this is really neat. And so when I did my observation hours, I got to go shadow a therapist in the clinic but after hours he did home health so I got to see two different settings and my my most memorable experience of that was seeing a cute little old German lady drive down the street for the first time after a hip replacement and I was like yep that's what I want to do and that was I went straight through no problem so that's why I'm so young (laughs) (laughs) even though I've been doing this for so long right so I did that and I'll just say the hop, skip, and jump is I thought I was going to go into management, which I did briefly. There was a period of time where they did not allow me to take PTO paid time off to go see my brother graduate. I said uh, he was getting his master's from NYU and I was, and I'm still living in the Atlanta area. And when that happened, I was like, hmm, I don't think this working for somebody else is going to work for me anymore. And I quit, started my physical therapy contracting company within 30 days. And I had been doing contract work since 2007 to just before the pandemic. And so what happened is, and I think as we get, I was excited. I loved being a physical therapist, but over time I've had shoulder injuries, back Mm -hmm. injuries, and I got to a place where I wanted to do something different. So that's how I found out about the world of coaching, life coaching, wellness coaching, health coaching. And now I do that full time. I do not do patient care. Yeah. So that's the hop, skip and a jump. (laughs) I like that. I like to start with a brief and then we'll kind of dive into that. So firstly, did you get to go see your brother graduate? Oh, yes. I like that's why I quit. (laughs) You were like, no, not even taking this. Yeah, this is not even an option. Like, I think people get stuck. They they think because they're somebody's employee that they have to do whatever that person says. And I'm like, no, you don't ever have to do anything. 
And I think that's part of what I learned in that moment that I have a choice. That was good. I have a choice. And for all of you listening, remember that because that is so important and you're not tied down to anything. If you want to go, if there is a family member graduating or if there is something going on where your employer is telling you, you can't go, then you say, screw that. I'm going <laughs> like, it's definitely, it's that fine line, but going into, so like backtracking a little bit of going through PT school. So how is like, you know, applying and your whole PT school journey during that time? Ooh, buddy, you're asking me to remember almost two decades ago. Well, so let me go back and comment on what you said before about understanding you do have a choice and I made that choice and I of course took the consequences of that choice meaning I made sure that I did my 30 they gave my 30 days notice so that put me in a position to when I did start contracting I ended up I was still in a good space so I could go back and work for that same company as a contractor and make more money right so just understand that you always have a choice and you need to understand the consequences of the choices so I did want to put that that disclaimer there in terms of applying for PT school, long, long time ago, I actually have a bachelor's. So I was one of the last bachelor classes to ever graduate. PT school back in the day, I, I was in, it was, it was very different. So you went into the pre-PT track, if you will, and then you applied to PT school. And I applied at the same school where I was. Then I started in the PT program, which was two years straight through. So what is that? Six semesters. And it was grueling. Like what I'm, I'm sure you're experiencing now, like a fire hose of information. And so besides the intense competition to get into the program, I think we only had 42 people in our class. And there were people applying, of course, all over the country, all within the state. I went to Florida a and it was, it was just very challenging, one, to get in, and then two, to do the coursework because there was so much new information that I had no concept of. Even though we took A&P ahead of time, and even though we took biology, chemistry, all of those classes ahead of time, it was just like, this is so much. At least that's what I remember thinking. And so- that was finished in four years at the time, right? Because that was one of the last bachelors. So for people listening, they're like, wait, that was a thing? Yes, it was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> um, so I think that's really cool that you still went through that. And it's kind of this myth that, oh, the bachelors and the doctorate are so different. But it's really not as different as you might think because you had a lot. It was like intense for, did you say six semesters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we didn't stop once we went in. There was no summer break or anything. Exactly. And that's, that's how it is now, except it's like eight or nine. So really, it's, it's a very similar setup and it's very intense still. So I do want to point that out for people. One, that it existed, like her, it was there. And two, that it wasn't as different as you might think. So I think that's really cool. So what did you expect coming out of PT school to look like for you? What were you anticipating? I think I just thought, okay, that was the landmark. I am just going to go to work and move up the management chain because I was in ROTC. So I always saw myself like a leader and I just thought I'm going to get into management at some point and do that. And I, I really, to be honest, and this is one of the things that I coach people on, especially when they're feeling burned out is the, and this is the mistake that I made based on your question is 
I didn't really have a plan or vision beyond getting out of school. It was, okay, I finished school and the expectation is you go get a job. And in my case, I expected to move up into management and that was really it. And so once I got to that place and there was nowhere else to go, it was just this feeling of being lost. Because for so much of my life and so much of many of our lives, we're used to achieving. We're used to setting goals. We're used to having something that we're looking forward to, something that we're working towards, whether it's getting into PT school, whether it's finishing PT school, then it's getting your license, then it's getting the job. And then in my case, then it was getting into management. And then once you got there, once I got there, it was like, now what? And I just kind of felt lost. So I think that that's what I expected. I guess I thought that it was going to be, I don't know what I thought it was going to be, to be quite honest. It was just, okay, you go get a job, you go to management, and there was no thought of, there was no expectation. There was no thought of now what? It's just kind of this path that we're all used to, right? It's just an expected path. You don't really have a moment to think about it. A lot of the times in PT school, all you need to do is focus on the next exam. And it's very challenging for people to kind of step outside of that and look into their future. So it's, it's a super common thing I think students listening can definitely relate to. Yeah, which is one of the things that I recommend not only for students, but also for clinicians that are out there is to be proactive in your life and your career. When you're in school, you're used to them setting the curriculum. You're used to them saying, this is what you need to study. This is what you need to learn. This is what you need to know in order to reach whatever objective that they set for you. And when you get out of school and you get out of that structured environment, it's up to you to decide what the objective is, what the goal is, what the curriculum is for your life. And I think that's where a lot of us get stuck and it leads to burnout. That's so true. And what was the time where you said, okay, like I'm going to start my, like your own coaching program and going from like treating patients to now you know, not, not doing that right now. Mm -hmm. I think even, so going back to my story a little bit, that, that point where I decided that I was going to do therapy on my own as a contractor, basically a PT for hire is what I called myself. That gave me a lot of freedom. That gave me a lot of control. That gave me more income, but I still had to trade time for money. So I call it trading my life force because Time is the only thing. Time is the only resource that we cannot make more of. And so although I love patient care and all of those things, I got to a place where I was like, okay, whenever I, I went to Spanish immersion school in Costa Rica, so I had to work my fanny off before then because I was gone for a month. And then after I had to work my fanny off again to recoup because there was no money being made when I was in Costa Rica learning Spanish. So there was this point in time where I realized this is not sustainable to work in this way. And part of that I attribute to the book, The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. But also part of that is as I got 
older in the profession, I left orthopedics and went into acute care, subacute and then acute care. And I started having injuries at work, back injury, shoulder injury. And I realized that at that point I wasn't even 40 years old. And so I still had a minimum of 20 to 25 years left to work. And physically I wasn't going to be able to do it. And then just mentally I was getting tired. I think that's when I realized what I was telling you about in terms of I had no plan, no goal, no anything. It was just, I felt like I was on this treadmill, this career treadmill of get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work, come home. And so that's when I decided that I was going to start with the coaching business. I had on a whim, it was, I was taking a con ed course and they gave us a wellness coach certification afterwards. And when I took to the interwebs to find out how do you start a coaching business? Cause I started a contracting one, but I didn't know anything about a coaching business. I was directed to the life coach school, which is where I ended up getting a life coach certification. And then that was really my first soiree, if you will, into the coaching world. And it took me quite a while because I got certified as a life coach in 2014, but it, you know, it took me a while. Now I'm at a place where my business sustains me full time. I love that. And you didn't necessarily have a health coaching vision and it's okay. Like you had the thing, you were just looking for an alternative, which is so many people are looking for. And this is where you ended up. And how is it now? Like, what does a week look like for you for work and just enjoyment with whatever else you have going on? Well, I have to say at the time of this recording, we have been met with the coronavirus. And so for me, it was a really easy transition. I was already on my way to doing this full time and the corona just put the final nail in that coffin. Um, so day to day, the, the challenges, the difference is I would have been traveling. So I would not have been in my apartment in Atlanta. I would have been wherever. I could have been home in the DC area with my mom. I could have been in Mexico. I could have been anywhere. So uh, a day-to-day, I coach with clients typically on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do a lot of admin and meetings on Mondays. I do content creation and project work on Wednesdays. And then Friday is really uh, either a free day or I'm following up with various people and things that I need to, to follow up with, or I don't do anything at all. So I think it, it is different, and that's why I ended up buying this sit-to-stand desk, because I came from a hospital where I do thousands of steps a day to be sitting all day is just foreign to me. And so it didn't, (laughs) it just didn't feel good to my body. So I think from a day to day period, I'm really doing a lot of what I did in the hospital. I'm coaching people. We do a lot of that coaching or counseling our patients. I just get to do it in a way that I want to. And it's really exciting because I spend a lot of time coaching people. I spend a lot of time being creative, which I didn't get as much of as a treating therapist. I get to connect with people and speak all over the country and be and all over the world through virtual summits. So it's a, it's a lot of things that I get to do now that I really get to flex my creative muscles. I think is the biggest difference from being a clinician to being a coach. It's just very different. In the the world of healthcare, as a clinician, it's very prescriptive. 
we do a lot of consultation, we figure out what's going on, and then we decide what the best plan of care is. Of course, we look at their goals. But as a coach, this is a co-creative kind of thing. So I need to know what your goals are. I need to know what your strengths and skills are to help you create a business that supports a lifestyle that you want. And what does a classic coaching session kind of generic outline? I know every coaching session is going to be different, but if you were to give a little outline for a coaching session, what would that look like for you? Well, it depends because I'm a coach that will meet a person wherever they are. So even though people come to me to learn about business and to grow their business or launch their business, and the same thing happened when I used to do weight coaching, we might be talking about your marketing strategy or that might be in the plans. But if you come to me because you're in a funk and you can't do the strategy that we've talked about, then I'm going to get in there and figure out what's going on with your mindset. What is holding you up? So for example, I had a client the other day who just couldn't get anything done because she kept telling herself through the discovery that there's so many things to get done. Like it'll never get done. And every time she told herself, there's so many things to get done, I'll never get it done. Then she felt overwhelmed. And when she felt overwhelmed, she really didn't do anything. Like she avoided doing even the slightest thing that would help move the needle. And the result of that is she never gets it done because she's not doing it. Right. So there is no real typical, like I can't say first we talk about your wins and then we talk about what did you do and then we talk like, because I just meet people in a moment. But most of the clients with me, they have some strategy. We work on strategy around what their business could look like and they have thing, action items that they're working towards. And then on our one-on-one sessions, we really get down to, okay, where are you at and what is the root cause of why you're taking certain actions or not taking the actions that you know you need to take to get the result that you want. That's really great. And to, to really just help business owners out and figure out, okay, like, where is it? Because having another perspective come in, it's just, I don't know, I feel like it's better with having someone say, okay, like, what about this? And what, what is stopping you right now, like you said, from uh, moving the needle forward? And that's awesome that you're able to do that. And I want to touch on something that you said earlier. Did you say that you were traveling around the country with doing speaking or was it more of like, what, what was that that you were doing? Speaking. So okay. before Corona, um, that's part of how I get my clients is through speaking on stages. So traveling up and down the Eastern coast, speaking at various conferences is what I did. I don't know what that will look like in the future, but that was my plan because just like now, I like running my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also hosted a virtual summit. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit um, and how that went? Yeah, I did the online business summit for women entrepreneurs in healthcare. And I thought, well, I personally thought it went great, <laughs> but it was so fascinating. At the onset of coronavirus, I... I was compelled to do something to help. And I knew that because most of my work is about having a location independent lifestyle and using your education and experience to develop something that could be that you could do from anywhere in the world, 
that was my jam. Like I was poised and ready for that. When everything shut down, I was like, okay, well, I already know how to do this. So why not teach some of my colleagues how to do what I've been doing for the last six plus years? And it was so fun because I know a number of other women in healthcare who were already in the online space before COVID-19 happened. And I just called on them because we had already been connected or friends or whatever before all of this. And I said, hey, people are scrambling to do something they've never done before. I would love for us to get together and just have a conversation about what it really is like to be a woman in business and doing business online. A woman in healthcare doing business online because we have years in the game. It's not something that we just dreamt up to take anybody's money. So that was a lot of fun. We started with just a roundtable discussion, kind of like we're doing right now, talking about real life, real world experience of it. And then we did the summit where I just asked them like, hey, teach us your thing. What is it that you do on a day-to-day basis that could potentially help some of our colleagues? Because I think there's power in seeing somebody that is similar to you doing what you want to do which I think that's what what you guys do here. That's amazing. And it's so awesome that you're able to host that and bring women together. And uh, we love that so much. It would be so cool to attend one of those. Sarah, did you have a question? For the people who were like, wait, there was a summit that women in healthcare who did business online were all at. Uh, Who are these people? You want to just name off some of the people who were there and yeah, this, we'll start with that. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we had Karen Litsky, who has the Healthy, Wealthy, Smart podcast. She has been in the game in terms of podcasting since 2011. She has a concierge practice in New York City. So we had her come in and talk about creating multiple streams of income for your business. We had Meredith Caston, who runs the non-clinical PT and Shanda Jothan from Pink Oatmeal. They are bloggers and they get paid to do so. So we talked about how to pay your, how to build a blog that pays the bills. We had Amelia Roberts. She's a nurse who talks about creating connections and clients online in a way that feels really aligned to you. We had Jessica Drummond, who has the Integrated Women's Health Institute. She talked specifically about what you needed to do to establish a health coaching practice online, which is so fun because she's a PT that has a health coaching certification. This is something that's in our scope of practice, but she talked about how to do it and how to separate. It was, there are a lot of questions around it. So she talked about that. We just had a lot of amazing people on there. And I, of course, talked about how to move past fear and indecision in your business. I think it's so cool. I was looking at it and uh, looking at all the amazing women you had on and I was just blown away. Like before you even had it, just looking at your little Canva art, like ad for it, it was great. And I was just so pumped that all of you came together. And I think it's so cool to see women connecting and just helping out other people who want to do the same thing. And that's what we're here for. Right. So I'm glad that you did that. That was so cool. Yeah. I think it goes to one of the things that I would recommend people do, and I don't see this very often, although it is changing, 
in healthcare is find people that you trust and connect with them to not self-isolate because I think there is this myth that because we're a healthcare professional, we have to be perfect. We have to know all the answers. We have to get it right. And the problem with that is if you're struggling or suffering in any way, it causes us to clamp down and to not reach out to anybody because we think that we should have it all together. We should have it right. And I have found that by reaching out to other people, much like I already had those connections with those women, it gives you like a sigh of relief when you realize, oh, I'm not the only one experiencing this. I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. You know, I'm not stupid. This is a normal thing. And so that, that would be one other thing that I say to find your people that you can trust and just be willing to be vulnerable and say where you're struggling, what you need, because people can't help you if they don't know. Mm. And in our tip of the week, we actually just put out yesterday, I put in there, you're only alone. You're only as alone as you choose to be. Mm. And that's especially because right now, I know Gabby and I have been feeling this. I know many people in the online space, although maybe, you know, you've been working online a long time, but that doesn't mean you're alone. Like it's just, yeah, I love that so much. And I remembered my question. Um, So for PT students who are interested in health coaching and want to, you know, get into that, especially if they're looking towards graduation, like I want to start this, you know, right when I graduate, what is some advice you would give for a student who, who wants to start this? I think one of the challenges that we have in our profession is that we start as generalists and it could be good or bad. I love the fact that I experimented with a number of settings so that I could find the one that fit me the best. And that in that experimentation, I was able to, even when I ended up working in acute care, I was able to reach back into my orthopedic toolbox and help people in that situation more than just the didactic information from school. It was, no, I, this is something that I worked in for seven years before I stopped. So it was like a deep knowledge of it. But I would say in order to get started and to be really successful at it, you have to actually choose. Choose who you want to do the health coaching for or choose a specific thing, a specific problem that you want to solve in the health coaching space. Because it can be easy to look and say, okay, there are, I don't know how many health coaches in the world, so nobody's ever going to pay attention to my stuff. Well, it's kind of hard to get people to pay attention to your stuff if your stuff looks like everybody else's stuff. It's also kind of hard to manage your time and figure out what you should, what your message should be and what marketing you should do if you're not clear about what you do. Like health coaching is one thing, but there's so much stuff under that. Just like there's so much stuff under PT. What's your thing, right? So I, I recommend that people start by getting really clear about who you love to serve specifically. Is that women in menopause? Is that women during pregnancy? Is that middle-aged triathletes? Get clear about who it is that you want to serve. If you're like me and you like to talk about a number of things, if you choose a type of person that you want to serve, it'll allow you to not be confusing, but also talk about different things. Or you get clear that you're the specialist in blank. 
So if you're the specialist in osteoporosis, then that's everybody knows you got osteoporosis, go to Sarah, <laughs> right? If that's the case. So those are two ways to get very clear and specific so that you can stand out in the marketplace. That's the first thing that I would do. And I say that with the caveat of just pick something and allow yourself to experiment, right? Because I, when people hear you should niche down, they freeze up. Like, what if I pick the wrong thing? No, pick something, a type of person or a specialty and just get started because then you'll get feedback and figure out what you want to do. So that would be the first thing that I, that I say. And the second thing that I would say in that experimentation, in that beginning process, try to put yourself out there first and then do the setup. Like people want to do all of the backend systems first. They want to do the website. They want to do the LLC. They want to do all of these things first. And you're putting out so much time, effort, and money, and you don't have the first client. It's hard to figure out what to put on a website if you don't know who you're talking to. So I would recommend go out and start talking to these people that we just spoke about first. And then when somebody pulls out their credit card and says, hey, I want to work with you, then you run and set all of that stuff up, not the other way around. Okay. That's my, my two cents on that. And then you have that person has already paid for your LLC, for your website, whatever it may be. You don't have to pull that out of your back pocket and hopefully have enough for it. Exactly. That, that is the biggest mistake I see all the time. And so that, that said, even as students, you can be doing this work right now. There's currently, it's in the works, but there's currently no licensure or anything like that. So you are starting to get information. And the hardest part, you heard me say, I got certified in 2014. The hardest part is figuring out your marketing and your messaging and getting the clients. I know you're going to be, you're going to figure out the skill of coaching. You're going to figure out the skill of physical therapy. The hardest part, if you're doing it on your own, is getting the clients, getting the patients. So it would behoove you to take the time right now to learn how to get the clients and get the patients while you're building the skill. People want to do all the systems and build the skill and take, get all of the letters behind their name and take all the certifications. Doesn't mean crap if you don't have anybody to work on. So I'll get off my soapbox with that. <laughs> no, that was good because we get that question too. People are like, well, I don't really, you know, I have an LLC, but I haven't done a single thing with it. Like I haven't helped anybody. And I'm like, well, okay, figure out, first of all, how are you going to reach the people and get your first client to really just maybe pay yourself a little bit, but pay for the thing to help them. Well, it, to me, mm, so I ran two companies. I ran my contracting company while I was building my coaching company. So if you don't have a contract company, let's call your job your investor for your business, right? So you go, <laughs> go to work so that you have money to pay your bills. And in the beginning, it's okay to reinvest 90% back into your company, maybe put 10% to the side, but that just is the nature of the beast. In the beginning, you're going to have to reinvest that money. You need enough momentum to, to achieve liftoff. 
in terms of your business. So I personally don't worry about it or wouldn't worry about making a lot of money in the beginning and paying yourself and all of that. Like, of course, take the 10% and pay yourself that part, but really in the beginning, be focused on giving your business enough resources and support so that you can achieve liftoff. The way that I've been thinking about it lately is development of a baby, right? If your business is your baby, think about this. Even if you're not at a place in school where you've done pediatrics yet, everybody knows in the beginning, a baby can't do jack for itself, can't even hold its head up, can't lift its own head up for about two or three months, can't do it. You have to carry baby around all the time. You have to feed baby all the time. You, like the baby can't even walk. So why is it that we expect for us to hang our shingle on a building or a virtual shingle, AKA website, and expect for the baby to walk around and it just can't do all of that. You have to carry the baby, feed the baby, change the baby, do all the things for the baby in the beginning. It cannot give you anything. And then after 18 years, if it goes to the NBA, because its name is LeBron James, then it can buy you a house. I love that. Oh my gosh. Best, best analogy. Like no one has ever said that on the podcast. That is the first time anybody has ever said that. That was good. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I love analogies because they make sense to me. It's like, yeah. oh, but that's why it takes a while. Okay. I'm not saying your business is going to take 18 years, but just like, let's calm down a little bit about stressing the baby out about paying for us and getting us out of our job. And for the people listening, the students listening that we gave them, you mean you gave tons of advice. It was awesome. If you had to pick one piece of advice, I know <laughs> wide eyes right there for everyone listening. If you had to pick one big, like most important piece of advice for SPTs right now, like current SPTs, what would you tell them? Be proactive in your life and career. And that is to say, drive the bus. Don't sit there and be at the mercy of the professors and the, the parents and the whomever. Like, decide what you want and get after it. And I have to add a second because this goes with it. To keep, be a lifelong learner. I think so many people get so excited about like the textbooks are long, the chapters are long. I'm tired of all of it. I don't want to read another thing when I get out of school. And so other than the continuing education stuff that we do, the problem with that is it's like overdevelopment of a muscle. You've overdeveloped your professional development muscle, but you've not paid any attention to or have an underdeveloped personal development muscle. So what are you doing in the personal development realm? If you can't stand looking at a book anymore after you get out of PT school, consider listening to or reading a personal development book because those skills that are non-clinical skills that you, can, that you will have to teach yourself because you're not getting them in school and you're not going to get them on the job, those are going to help you get further than you could ever get on your own. So be proactive in your life and career and make sure you give some time and attention to your personal development. That's really good. And for everyone listening, rewind that part because 
that was key, especially with personal development and giving that to yourself, especially as a student. You do have time for personal development and it's just, it's amazing. But we just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Tavana. It was so amazing and it was definitely one of my one of my favorites oh thanks especially your analogies i love them (laughs) (laughs) thanks (laughs) for the students who want to reach out to you where can they reach out to you well you can find me at tavanadenise.com and i'm on all of the well sort of on all of the platforms at tavanadenise mostly on facebook or instagram nice again thank you so much tavana it was great chatting with you Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous.